fantasy in the house, yo. Let me tell you how we do things around here. Here, get to the top. Older than a fantasy, please say what's wrong. Fantasy tactics, tips have to be hard. Listen to the past, you'll be winning a lot. Not losing, just cruising. So kick off the balls and let's get choosing. The ultimate fantasy podcast. And it's live. Hello, fantasy managers. Welcome to the brand new Ultimate Fantasy Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things fantasy. So, the season is upon us. Yes, Friday Night Football is coming our way and with it some serious FPL draft and fan tracks action. Before we kick off the podcast season for real, we decided to do a series of club-by-club season previews running all the way until kickoff on Friday, the 9th of August. All teams are correct at the time of recording. Of course, that may change with the transfer window still open huh. uh, delighted though to announce that Premier League reporter Lindsay Hooper will be calling in to dissect teams throughout the week and in the studio with me now is the very bearded Nathan Taylor hello Nathan hey how's it going Nathan Taylor the man with the beard and the man with the stats and also joining us via the internet is the secret journalist <laughs> Do we reveal your name, Phil? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I think that I think that's fine. Yeah, not so secret journalist. Well, we're not doing the surname. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? I, I don't mind. I'm no. You can just yeah. Phil's fine. <laughs> Phil's fine. Yeah. Right. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Ultimate Fantasy Podcast. This is show one of our season previews. In part one, we'll be having uh, Bournemouth and Arsenal. Uh, part two, Lindsay Hooper will be joining us to talk through Brighton and Aston Villa. And then part three, we've got mm-hmm. Burnley. But let's start with the Cherries first. Bournemouth, great start, awful middle, inconsistent end. They always seem to go on awful losing runs, but manage to stay out of trouble somehow. I don't know. Is it going to be same old, same old, or are we expecting an improvement this year? Uh, well, I think they'll, as they will every year, they'll they'll hope for improvement, won't they? I think Bournemouth, but it's the same old story with them. Like the the kind of realism of a club the size of Bournemouth is, it's just about staying in the Premier League, isn't it? Really, um, they're, they're quite smart, Bournemouth. I quite like the fact that they go about things in the right way. You know, they're, they're trying to build sort of incrementally, season by season, and they always seem to bring in young, up and coming players that, in theory, they can improve. So I do quite like the way Bournemouth go about it, but ultimately for them, it's just about survival and anything on, on top of that is a bonus. Mm. Um, Ryan Fraser, of course, had a great season last season. I think he's called a mammoth 487 on fan tracks. Uh, that's better than, uh, that's more than who, Nathan? More than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Lacazette. I've had 445 and 380 just for context. Well, there you go, yeah. Uh, so 7.5 million price tag this season. Has he got more room for growth? Um, no. No, you think he's peak, he's ceiling. I, I, no, I, you know what you're going to get, right? You, you prob- last season was, I think, and, and he can prove me wrong by all means, but I think last season was about as good as you're going to get from Fraser. He's He works hard, he's a good player. Um, you're going to get a back, uh, like a handful of assists out of him. You're going to get a few goals. But I wonder whether 7.5 million now is a little bit, can you, his kind of price has caught up with his ability. I'm not sure you're getting the value that you might have got in previous seasons for him at that kind of price. If it had been six, then I think you'd have been a bit. I would have been tempted to dip into him a little bit, but <clears> seven point five, you, I would look elsewhere. Yeah, because I was going to suggest um, David Brooks, but he's injured now, isn't he? Yeah, um, for, for about three months, he's listed at six point five. Yeah. Um, but they have signed Bournemouth 
Philip Billing for 15 million smackaroonies from Huddersfield. Mm. Bit of a beast of a midfield there with uh, Jefferson Lerma. Um, yeah, I mean, he's Billing was the, the arguably the, the standout player for Huddersfield. If you're taking it into the actual real world and not fantasy football, mm. Billing was arguably like sort of Huddersfield's best player over like certainly last season. Um, but I guess that's not really saying much. Um, the 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 difficult you got it, again yeah it can take points fine if you but if you're building your side around can take points then I would suggest that you're onto a bit of a hiding for nothing there. <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, it's, hello it's, Alfie it's, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Me, me and you me and you tapped into this theory about two seasons ago and we ended up with Dale Stevens and Adrissa Gay basically trading places between the two of us and we both finished about fifth and sixth when it's something like that like, yeah so it's fine if if he's if he's one of those players that you're built, you've got there as maybe a fourth best, fifth best midfielder in your team. Fine, you can pick up a few canter points. You guarantee maybe three or four points a week. But if you're relying on him every single week to bring points in, then I think you're probably playing the wrong game. Mm, maybe. Uh, so, Phil, but you were saying earlier that you do have an inkling for a player that might be doing well this season for Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, they signed a kid from Luton called Jack Stacey, who's a fullback, and I'm not by any means suggesting that he's suddenly going to come in and start for them and start tearing it up. But looking at their resources and what they've got available to them, they obviously brought in Nathaniel Klein, didn't they, last season to play right back, and he's gone back to Liverpool now. But so they've got Adam Smith, who you know he's he's kind of a decent player who's been with them a long time probably do a job for them and they've also got uh, Simon Francis who's getting on now and probably isn't going to feature an awful lot but this Stacey kid he played for Luton um in league 1 last season and played most of the season for him got four goals for him eight assists now granted league 1 to premier league is a massive leap which is why I say you know be maybe a little bit reserved about whether he's going to start for him this season but he's got the potential to get into their side and could be a player to, to watch out for. Yeah, well, uh, fullbacks are the new wingers these days, I suppose, aren't they? Uh, Callum Wilson seems to be the obvious striker choice for Bournemouth, uh, alongside Josh King, of course. Uh, listen at 8 million. It could be classed as the best of the rest, Nathan, isn't that right? Yeah, he's ranked fourth on the draft and fifth in the Fantasy Premier League. So he's above the likes of Lacazette, Kane, Bobby Firmino and Rashford as well on there so a bit of value in there especially his price has riv- risen this year um though so he's higher than Jimenez of Wolves um but Jimenez was ranked higher than Wilson last year so might be one that's worthwhile picking up as well yeah did he score like five goals from set pieces last year I yeah Bournemouth it. weirdly like Bournemouth confound all expectations I think they you never know what you're going to get they um yeah Five goals from set pieces, you wouldn't really have put them down as that. And then you've got Nathan Ake, who out, outscored all of Spurs defenders across fantasy platforms mm-hmm. as well. And Dominic Solanke, right? He's one I'm looking at because he, he <laughs> because go. Phil, it'll be yeah, good for Conte God. points, oh. won't he? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he does, he gets, he gets stuck in, gets his foot in for a striker. I don't know if he's going to play. Is he going to play? I don't know. It's likely to be King and Wilson, isn't it? This is you're tapping into. It. You see, I, I always draw back to being a Leeds fan. I always draw back to thinking about this. Where, like, if you, we, we had back in the day when we were quite good, and we had Viduka and Smith up front, 
And Viducas used to score boatloads of goals. He'd outscore Smith every season. Like you, about two to one, usually outscoring Smith every season. And Leeds fans used to give him an absolute dog's abuse. Oh, you know, he's fat. He's a bit of a pie man. He never does anything. Doesn't run around. Alan Smith used to run around all over the place. He couldn't do anything wrong. He'd make tackles and get sent off, but he never score goals. And Leeds fans are like, oh, yeah, Alan Smith, he's the hero. No, no the guy scoring the goals is the hero. Yeah, yeah but man, but, uh, Alan Smith would be getting those Conte points. He definitely would, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely would. Right, let's finish off with Bournemouth then. Um, just so you know, people, um, 10 clean sheets last season. That's better than the Hipsters' Choice Wolves. Uh, in the last three seasons, they finished 9th, uh, 12th, and then last season, they finished 14th. So... Where are they going to finish this season, Phil? Um, I'll say somewhere between 12 and 14. <laughs> okay. You want to sit on the same fence, Nath? I'm following that trend and I've gone for 15th, but I predicted that before I knew that trend. But I'm going to go for 16th then. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Right, we're going to move on now. Um Arsenal now. Now, uh, before we get cracking on this in the studio, I spoke earlier to our Arsenal fan in residence, Tommy Gunn, the deluded one. <laughs> He's, oh, dear. Well, let's just hear from him. It's always good to hear from a gooner, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, Tommy Gunn, the deluded one. How are you? Alfie, good evening, sir. All, All right. right. Uh, our Arsenal fan in residence, of course. How is the general fan mood? Is there disbelief, acceptance, uh, quiet optimism, perhaps, that uh, given time Unai can uh, make things happen? I think there's a bit of optimism around the club that I haven't seen in a long, long time. The Caballos deal is great. He is definitely going to play. Caballos, I think everybody at Arsenal and everybody at Real Madrid is agreed he's a good player. Um I don't know what you know about him. He's been at Madrid for two seasons. We nicked, they nicked him from they nicked him from Betis, where he didn't come through the youth team. He just went just parachuted straight into the first team. So to cut a long story short, I think the Caballos deal was great for us. He wants to prove himself for Real Madrid. He wants to prove Zidane wrong, and he wants to be in the Spanish national side. He had a great under twenty ones before they had a great under twenties. It's a shop window for him. Interestingly, Caballos is nearly the same word as uh, onions in Spanish. <laughs> so uh, I'm calling him uh, Danny Onions. And what about the other guy, Pepe? The Pepe deal was great. We're getting him now. We've done 20 million quid up front and we're going to do 12 mil over the next sort of few seasons, a five-year contract. Um, already people are kind of like, oh, well, we scored 23 goals last season and a bunch of assists, maybe 10, 11 assists, something like that. 23 goals in any league. Is pretty good. He scored a lot of pens, but you've still got to score it and you've got to win the pen. And I think Pepe will be an interesting signing because he runs, he gets into the box. And with VAR, mm. I think not only will Pepe win pens, but he'll take them. We've got some good youngsters as well. You know, the Joe Willicks, he's going to play this season. Reese Nelson scored the other night. Um, Smith Rowe looks like he's going back to Germany, which is a shame, but, you know, we'll get him back next season. We have got some... I mean, Joe Willock particularly is definitely going to get games this season and he's looking really good. Uh, we didn't really talk about Gabrielli, the um, young guy, uh, young Brazilian fella that we've got in. This was He basically came with Edu. How much we're we going to see of him this season, I don't know yet. Um, he scored in the friendly the other night, which is good. I think he scored in the Emirates Cup, actually. 
took quite a good goal, which we lost. Although we, I think we have got some silverware. Gunnosaurus has won <laughs> a mascot competition. <laughs> so I think we... <laughs> I think we've won something. <laughs> it's, 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 um, you're on the road back to glory. I might be mistaken. I might be mistaken. It might be only the semi-finals, but I thought I read somewhere that he'd won something against like the. There was this like dragon from Mets FC Mets, um, that he was up against. So hopefully he's won that and he's, you know, he's out on the lash and doing doing whatever he does. Well, Tommy Gunn, the deluded one, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we will hopefully be hearing you from you throughout the season and you'll be joining us to offer your Arsenal insight as well as some maybe some footy index tips. I'll be up for I'll be up for all of that. Um I mean I'm I'm currently in a good mood. Whether I'm gonna be a good mood by sort <laughs> of about the end of November um is another story. But you know, we'll see. We are the overwhelming feeling is positive. So let's good. hang on to that. Let's keep hold of that. Good. Thanks very much. Then we'll speak to you soon. All right, mate. Cheers. There you go. Always nice to hear from a deluded Arsenal fan. Now, Phil, Arsenal, um, dodgy defence as ever, but they've signed a couple of nice players, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've they've obviously decided that... I mean, I don't know how they're shucking it because they've obviously found some money from somewhere because at the start of the summer, it was all talk about how they've only got £40 million to spend, got budget-wise. Now, I don't know how they're spreading the money of this for, for Sebeos and then Pepe potentially coming in as well, but... Yeah, that the, in theory, you know, improvements on some of the players that they've got. Uh, see, Sabeas is, is a bit of a he's a bit of a tainted tainted one for me because I've bought him a couple of times on Football Manager and he's been useless. <laughs> so, so and, and which forms most of my judgment about footballers? If I sign him and they tend to be rubbish, then I think well, they're definitely rubbish in real life. Yeah. So, um, but no, he's. I don't think you're going to get massive returns for him on the evidence of what he's done at Real Madrid. It was something like three goals he scored last season, I think something like that. He and he's got the potential, considering that he plays in that sort of central midfield role, he has the potential to be the guy who plays the pass before the assist, which is just dead weight. The pre assist. Yeah, the pre assist, the most frustrating player in any fantasy football game where he's the one playing that beautiful pass inside the full back and centre back for some nonsense winger to tap it in for the assist. But uh <laughs> It's yeah, it, that's that's the potential player that you've got with him, I think. And Pepe as well. Um, that price seemed ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. Uh, from my hear, no one else wanted him, really, did they? That's that's genuinely the vibe. Yeah, I think I don't think anyone did. But he's, I mean, look, like let's be honest, he had a he had his best season uh, uh, that he's ever had last season. Um, was it Lille that was that one? And and was brilliant for them. You know, he got scored twenty two goals, got eleven assists. It, but it, it, I watched him a little bit in the African Cup of Nations because we were covering a bit of that for work this summer and he was very underwhelming in that. Didn't really look, certainly didn't look a 72 million quid footballer. But then, you know, that what gauge is that anymore in modern football? Um, if you if you ask me a penalise in terms of when to pick him up, it's probably worth I can, one of the mid-round picks in DF. I wouldn't go and use one of your early picks um, if you're doing it in the draft to get hold of him. Um if he do, obviously we're talking hypothetically on him joining Arsenal. It, it's totally dependent on what kind of price uh, the fantasy Premier League put him at as to whether you want to go into him or not. Yeah, I mean, could be worth a punt, but um, I imagine they put him at a high price, wouldn't they? I, I would be tempted to wait to see how he starts the season and then jump on board quickly if he gets off to a flyer. Because what you don't want is him you know, put, using up quite a lot of money. If he goes on there at like 8 million, 9 million, 
then you can use those you could you can use that money much better elsewhere yeah um for maybe like uh ryan fraser <laughs> yeah yeah like that, that guy good uh nathan some stats please yeah, Arsenal, seven clean sheets last season, despite having Mustafi. But randomly, Mustafi was actually their highest um, scoring defender on all formats. Wow. Um, Shocking and, that, isn't it? Yeah. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, not exactly a hidden gem there, but he did contribute to 30% of Arsenal's goals last season. And he's the most valuable player across all of the formats for them. Yeah, no real surprise there. Uh, are we going to see these youngsters come through, Phil, or not? I, I'm sure he'll lean on him a little bit. I mean, he he showed willingness to to pick him um, to pick him last season, didn't he? So uh, I would think uh, Reese Nelson might be one to look for. Yeah, yeah. yeah he I did agree. well. Uh, he did well in the Bundesliga in the last season when he was on loan, and and, and I, we we covered the friendly that they did last night, and and he scored in that. Granted, it wasn't good on wasn't FIFA a, as well. <laughs> yeah, well, that's always a good gauge. So, yeah, again, who's the other um, Maitland Niles is still hanging around, and he might he might get a, get a look in. Uh, he's listed as a defender this year, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, who's going to be set piece taker this season? You um, probably Granit Xhaka. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Although with Sebastian coming into the team, and they're linked with Kadira and a couple of other midfielders oh. with this weird pot of money, I think the forty million thing's a bit of a smokescreen. They seem to actually have a bit more. Money yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, that maybe Jacker won't be a first pick. I mean, he's not exactly adored by Arsenal fans, but he does pick up some um, Conte points. Just going back to that. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Uh, let's do some uh, league positions. Uh, Nath, I'm going to start with you this time. Bold prediction. I actually think they're going to go back into the top four. Ooh, I think Emery's bold. a good manager, um, and I think if you can sort out the defence, then. I think they've got a chance. They really should have been in the top four last season, but they absolutely bottled the last six games of the season. That's not like Arsenal, is it? Phil? <laughs> I I think they might just fall short. I think maybe fifth. But saying that, you know, you've got you've got two massive unknown quantities to some extent in Man United and Chelsea in the way that they're going at this season. So Arsenal could definitely sneak in there, but I think maybe fifth for them. Mm, I think I'm going to go with fourth. So that's part one. In part two, the offside rules. Uh, Lindsay Hooper will be joining us to discuss the merits of Brighton and new boys Aston Villa. Don't go anywhere. This is Ground Control to Ultimate Fantasy Podcast. Jump, they say jump. David, can you get my shoes for me? Thank you. Oh, hi. Uh, oh, there you are. Uh, welcome back. Uh, well, welcome to part two. On the phone with me now is uh, Premier League reporter and founding member of the Offside Rule podcast, Lindsay Hooper. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, Alfie. Hello. <laughs> uh, fresh back from the Women's World Cup in France. Got the Premier League ahead of us now. How are you settling in back into life in Blighty? Yeah, I'm getting ready now. I've had a first couple of days back at work. I was down at Bournemouth. Um, they do these media days ahead of the start of the season where um, they get all the green screen photos, the pronunciations, and then they also get a few interviews. So I was down doing those. Um, speaking to the, the managers and a few players. And then I did the same again on Wednesday at Watford. So I'm sort of getting back into the groove now. I know that that football season is around the corner. It really is. It's on top of the hill shouting down at us at the moment, <laughs> isn't it? And um, <laughs> you, of course, uh, the Offside Rule podcast. How's that going? That's been brilliant. So we did a daily podcast, which we've never done before, every single day throughout the Women's World Cup. And that was available on Spotify. It did really, really well. 
Um, and of course, the tournament as a whole, I think, got more traction than it's ever had before. So that was really good. And then the normal podcast will be back, which will be weekly once again. Uh, we have a roundtable discussion with Kate Haley and I, although Haley is heavily pregnant. So she's probably going to have some deputies coming in for her at, at different points. Um, and then we also have our monthly offering, which is an exclusive sit down with a, a player, a manager, someone from the world of football who's got an interesting story to tell. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. And will that be back available on iTunes or are you just staying on the Spotify thing? No, that's going to be on iTunes again um, and Audio Boom. Ooh, audio Boom. Mm, exciting. I don't know what it is. I better yeah. check that out, didn't I? <laughs> right then, Lindsay, let's talk uh, Premier League football. Uh, Brighton. Brighton. Now, Brighton were incredibly lucky to stay up last season. Awful side, obviously. Uh, they got a new manager in the guise of Graham Potter. How would his style of play affect Brighton? Well, just before we move on to that, I did want to start by saying I was absolutely gutted when Chris Hewton got the sack from Brighton. I'm a big fan of his as a manager. I felt that he didn't get treated particularly well at Newcastle. And this had a tinge of, I don't know, bitter taste to it at the end. I know that Brighton had a dismal part of the, the second half of the campaign last season, 11 points from a possible 54. And I think that's what... Tony Bloom cited as the reason to get rid of Hewton, and and I understand that. It did need to be better, but he did manage to get them galvanised to the end to keep them in the Premier League. Um, and I think that there's a lot that needs addressing at Brighton. It's a huge job for Graham Potter. I think he'll equally be relieved that he's left Swansea City because they seem to be in quite a bit of trouble in the Championship now. Financially, they're having to lose most of their best players. I think one of the, the newest stories coming through is that Ollie McBurney, of course, left. Um, their star striker. So he must be looking at that from afar, thinking, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm out of there. But is this going to be um, <laughs> a, a nice relief? I don't think so. I think he's got a lot of work to do. Uh, he primarily, like, so to talk about him as a manager for anyone who's just absorbed in the Premier League and has never really watched much of the Championship or anything like that, um, he primarily plays in sort of a 4-2-3-1 formation or a 4-3-3. That's not to say that he hasn't ever played this three at the back system, which he did when he was out in Sweden quite a lot. But I can't see him employing that here because I think that Brighton are going to still have to go with that um, shored-up defence when they're at home for the Annex and try and just, you know, score a few goals on counter-attack and try and get those points at home. So he's meticulous. Um, he's, a, he's a good man-manager by all accounts. Um, he's he's one of those managers that calls for group synergy. He he wants that togetherness within a squad, which, of course, I think all managers do. Um, but he definitely isn't one to point the blame. I don't think we're going to hear any post-match press conferences where he's going to single anybody out. It's, it's not his style. Um, so... He loves playing more attacking style, but I just don't see how he's going to be able to do that unless it's this counter-attacking style of football with Brighton, because most of the times I think they're going to have their backs pinned to the wall. The other thing that I think Brighton fans might find quite encouraging is the way that he brings through young players. So there's, I'm just going to give you a Welsh trio for an example from the Swansea team that he had. So Joe Roden, Connor Roberts, and the one that everybody will now know about because he's signed for Manchester United, Daniel James. They all really progressed, and I'm sure will warrant a lot of that development to Graham Potter and what he bought them. Um, so, I mean, overall, I think he's got a big job on his hands to keep Brighton in the Premier League again. I don't think that they are going to be punching towards the top 10 of the table by any stretch. Um, but, you know, if they're going to go for any manager other than Chris Hughes, and I guess Graham Potter was a good go-to. Yeah, quite possibly, actually. Uh, Phil, let's bring you back into the uh, conversation. Uh, Dale Stevens at Brighton. Conte points. 
<laughs> drop, drop it, Alfie. Man, I know this is what you want to talk about, so I'll let you just uh, carry on. <laughs> well, I, I, to be honest, I would with with Stevens, I'd be reserving judgment. Um, on the when we're talking exclusively draft fantasy here, because he's got no value elsewhere. Zero value but, in FPR. Yeah, but um, if you're talking draft fantasy and you're thinking he might pick up some counter points, I would. I would very much reserve judgment until you see what Potter does there, um, because Potter, from all evidence of what he did at Swansea last season, tries to play expansive, possession-based football. Now, granted, he's operating at a different level now, and so therefore he has to cut his cloth accordingly and maybe be a bit more pragmatic. But uh, if he fit, if he sticks to his guns and tries to play the kind of football he does, then I'm not sure where a Dale Stevens fits in and whether he'll reap the rewards that he might have done Kante-wise in previous years. Hmm. So who does fit in then? Well, it, it's, I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it, Brian? Because they're, they, they obviously they, they almost bombed out last season and, and they've not exactly you know overhauled the squad. They've still got essentially the same group of players. I mean, even like to the likes of Knockout's gone now and he's gone on loan to... To Fulham, yeah, horrible. Um, and and they've still got a bunch of players in there that that largely sort of underperformed. I mean, you're looking at the usual subject. Pascal Gross is 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 a, obviously showed enough not last season but the season before to suggest that you could get some points out of him. Um, Glenn Murray has been reliable for him, albeit he's getting older and older, and so you you would expect age to catch up with him at some point. And and you know the the two centre backs that they've got um, are, are both good Premier League players and returned a decent amount for what was a fairly cheapish price on, on FPL. Granted, saying that, if the Maguire transfer goes through, there's talk that Dunk's going to replace him at Leicester. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in theory, I know this is moving off topic ever so slightly, you might want to dive on Dunk now with the theory that he gets a move to Leicester and and and, he, and increases in value as a result of that. Yeah, because he's uh, showing up pretty yeah. cheap, isn't he? So, um, let's do some league placings. Lindsay, uh, I'm going to come to you first. It's really difficult. I mean, you look at if you look at their signings and stuff as well, and they haven't really done that much business. They've brought in a forward from Genk, haven't they? Trossard. Uh, don't hold me to these because if Dunk ends up going out the door, I'm going to change my mind. But I'm going to say that they're going to be hovering with relegation. But I think they might finish around 16th. Phil, what about you? Um. Uh, 16th. Okay, Nathan? 17th. I, I kind of, I hope, I hope Brighton do well, genuinely, because I, I like, I like Graham Potter. So I say this with kind of like a genuine optimism, I hope that they do well, because I think they'll try to play football and you can't fault that. I also think that your, your diehard football fans like the fact that this is a man who came through, I think he started coaching at university level, came through, um, managed to take on Ostersons, um, which was the Swedish, the Swedish side that he managed, and that was around about 2010 or 11, sometime around then. And he managed to get them promoted and into division, which they'd not done before. Everybody will remember probably when, when they played Arsenal in the Europa League and he, they put in a really good performance. So I think there's a lot to, to take from Graham Potter and being a manager that's been developed, but I just hope he's given some time. Um, and I also really hope that Chris Hutton gets another job. Well, maybe uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh, no, because we're, we're hanging on to Nuno for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, probably wise. OK, so moving on now to Aston Villa. New boys to the Premier League. Tough opening fixture, of course, with Spurs. 
Uh, and then you've got Bournemouth and Everton. How's uh, JT back? But obviously you should never underestimate the management credentials of mm-hmm. Dean Smith. Uh, are Aston Villa here purely because of the momentum they gained? Or is Dean Smith really building something? I think he is building something. I really do. And, and of course, he's got this Aston Villa connection in, in his family of, of being you know, a strong fan as well of the club. So that always helps. Um, certainly with the support in terms of him getting time and everything. Um, well, look, let's, let's face it, Aston Miller have gone for it. They've spent big this summer. I mean, you look at the ins and the outs at different clubs, and certainly their, their list is longer than many. Um, are all of the signings great additions? I think a lot of them we're going to wait to see, because probably, if you're anything like me, there's a few that you don't know that much about. Um, the ones that I can tell you about, see Courtney Howes, who was at Wolves, um, good, solid player. But the fact that we moved him on, because I say we because you know that I'm a Wolves fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and all the Aston Villa fans are now just hanging up on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not interested anymore. She's a Wolves fan. But what I can tell you about Courtney Howes is he's a really solid, reliable player. I think he will definitely put a shift in, works hard, trains hard. Um, and I think he will get the respect and admiration of the fans for, from that point of view. Um, it does worry me, though, that, you know, they're taking, I feel, like a lot of other people's cast-offs, like Tyrone Mings as well from Bournemouth. Mm. Um, the, the player that they brought in that I, I think Southampton was silly to let go is Matt Target. I think he's a really good acquisition. Uh, Jota from Birmingham, um, local rival. I mean, how a player has managed to do a Birmingham to Aston Villa move sort of akin to Alex McLeish and management stakes, isn't it? But um, Jota, he's a very, very good player. I watched him when he was at Brentford. Didn't quite get to to show exactly what he's got in his, his locker, I think, at Birmingham, but could do have that unlocked at Aston Villa. So we'll see about him. Um, Douglas Louise from Man City, I don't know as much about. Trevor Gay, who's coming in from Cousin Passer. Um, now, I have heard quite a lot of talk about Wesley from Club Bruges, um, that he is apparently a man mountain. He's going to be this target man. Um, should be able to outmuscle quite a few defenders to, to get on the score sheet a few times. So he might get a, a few crucial goals. Mm, well, Villa fans will be happy with that. Uh, Phil, uh, Aston Villa, they won 10 of their last 12 games to finish fifth and win the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I, I know about that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we never got to play him in the final, sadly, because we we leadsed up the semis. But never mind. Mm. Um, no, v- Villa. Yeah, they're, they're they're obviously a big club and they're suited to to being in the Premier League. Whether they've gone about it the right way or not, I have I, I will reserve judgment. They they. I mean, it's it's very it's lazy, and it? it's re- it'd be really lazy of me to say that they're just this year's Fulham. And so what they've done is they've gone out and spent 100 million quid on a load of new players. And so therefore it's not going to work and it's going to be exactly like Fulham. I I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think Dean Smith's a bit smarter than that. And I think Villa will have been a bit smarter than that. Um, they obviously had a lot of players on loan last season um, that they've had to replace. Uh, they've done, like Mings was one of them. So they've obviously bought in. He, he, they know what they get out of him. Um I think someone like uh, like Matt Target and uh, Heaton, the keeper they've signed, are, are smart, sensible sort of signings. You know, they know the Premier League. They'll bring a bit of experience with them. They've got a bit of talent in midfield with Grealish and McGinn, both decent players. Outside of that, I mean, I don't know anything. That Wesley, I couldn't tell, I couldn't really tell you how he'll fit in <laughs> because, you know, strikers coming from Belgium are, are you know, they're not, they're not exactly battle-hardened for the Premier League. Mm. Lindsay? Dean Smith, I think, he loves this high press. 
Um, he gets wingers to operate a lot higher. If you were to compare maybe with Steve Bruce's Aston Villa, that was probably the thing that you took away at the end of last season is that he got his wingers to go so much higher up the pitch. He, he ideally, from when I watched him at Brentford a lot when he was in charge there, he likes possession-based football. That's something that he's going to have to work on to increase because Aston Villa weren't used to having loads and loads of possession at one point. He did manage to up it before the end of the season. And that's going to be really difficult to maintain, I think, in the Premier League when you're coming up against the likes of, like you've said, Spurs and Everton and Bournemouth in the first few weeks. It's going to be very difficult to keep hold of that ball. But he is a risk taker. He's more an, of an adventurous manager than they've been used to in recent times. So from that point of view, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. And I think Aston Villa are on a building momentum. I don't think that they're going to get relegated. I think they're going to finish probably just above Brighton in about 15. Ooh, OK. Nathan? 15th. I think they'll be well safe. Dean Smith's good manager. Got JT as well, haven't they? God. Uh, Phil? Um... Yeah, I think I think maybe maybe fifteenth as well. I think that I think they'll be all right. Oh, all right. Well, um, I might as well go fifteenth as well then, didn't I? Uh, completely set. Okay, that's the end of part two. Um, just going to say thank you to Lindsay. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow, where we'll be discussing the might of Chelsea and Liverpool. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Yes, so that is the end of part two. But don't go anywhere, listeners, because we've got part three coming up, and in part three. We have the juggernauts that are Burnley. Don't go anywhere. My God, what a sell. <laughs> Uh, welcome to part three. Yes. Um, Burnley, Burnley, Burnley. I think we'll keep this one brief. Phil, uh, is there much point talking about Burnley? I mean, have they changed? Are they going to break into the top six? Or perhaps, just perhaps, is this just another struggle against relegation? Um, if, if your launch pad for this is whether Burnley can get in the top six, then we definitely do have something to, we definitely do have something to talk about with Burnley then, because that's insane. Um, no, I... I I, I think they're in the same boat as Bournemouth in that it's just about staying in the league for them. That, that's their that's their one aim, and and they'll. I, I don't even think that they're as necessarily. I mean, I think in an ideal world they would want to be, but I don't think they're even as progressive thought wise as Bournemouth are. Like Bournemouth seem to have a, a a bit more of a forward thinking. Let's get young players in, develop them, thought process. Burnley seems to be slightly more around. Let's just get the players in that can keep us in this division. And they've signed Jay Rodriguez, haven't they? Who, who obviously has been there before and has scored goals in the championship last year. Uh, he he's he's kind of you know what you get with Jay Rodriguez. He's not he's not going to be a player who's going to develop any more than he already is. Um, they've they've lost Heaton, which I guess when you've got three England goalkeepers is not the biggest blow in the world. <laughs> Although he did finish their season, didn't he, last season and, and had, a, had quite a few decent games. Yeah, he played well, yeah, didn't he? he? played really well. So they're, they're leaning on either now the experience that they've got with Joe Hart or whether Pope comes back to any kind of fitness. Although it's talk that they're going to sign, or apparently they are on the verge of signing a keeper from Leeds. Uh, Peacock Farrell, who's the Northern Ireland international goalkeeper. Uh, but, did you say Peacock? Uh, he's Bailey Peacock Farrell, he's called. Oh, um yeah, try and, try Does he own an that. estate somewhere? Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's he's an interesting one, Peacock. For I speak from just experience, obviously, of watching him at Leeds. But he uh, 
he started our season last season and was always had a mistake in him and just seemed to lack the authority that's required for a goalkeeper. He's only young, he's only 22, 23. Um, I mean, I'd be surprised if he plays because he's got experience and talent ahead of him. But it looks like they're still stocking up on three keepers. Oh, exciting other... times at Burnley. Yeah, the... Hang on, is that their game plan, just stocking up on goalkeepers? Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Maybe, that, maybe. I mean, I'd, I would say that Joe Hart is probably done now, really. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, he's done about five yeah. years ago, wasn't he? Yeah, and I would. Pope, Pope is probably their most talented keeper on the evidence, but it just is, is he fit or not? Um, so yeah. does that mean that Joe Hart's going to be in their number one to start with? I, I reckon Hart will start. Just purely because he because he's he's um he's a more experienced and Pope's just you know kind of coming back after a season out really. The other one, the other one they've got. I mean, he's he's McNeil, isn't it? I mean, he's mm. the interesting one. Well, yeah, everyone seems to think so, don't they? The 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 thing that like he, he's a talented kid in here, and he and he showed a lot at the end of last season that he has the potential that if he kicks on, he could be a, a, a real sort of boon for for any kind of fantasy manager. Um, I mean, I'm not saying, again, you don't go picking him in your early rounds of your draft, you know, wait until maybe like mid to late rounds for it and then get as a bonus, pick him up. Um, th- he's six million on Fantasy Premier League uh, and could be a, that could be a, an inspired shout, although a bit risky. There are a lot of other players, interestingly, like a lot of midfielders are priced around about six million on Fantasy Football. Uh, on the Premier League one, that are all in that kind of bracket of they have the potential to be brilliant and could be an inspired pick, but yet could equally fall flat. So you're looking at players like Iwobi and Hudson Adoy, uh, Townsend, Barnes, Cater, that Almiron, uh, Ward Prowse, Yarmolenko, they're all six million on that game. And they're all players that you might be tempted to take a punt on and they could go one of either way. Yeah, of course. Um, all right, Nathan, some quick stats, please, on Burnley. Yeah, just quickly, um, eight clean sheets for Burnley last season. Obviously, previously seen as quite a solid team, but just in context, that's the set, um, roughly the same as Arsenal. Oh, there. Jay Rodriguez, who Phil mentioned earlier, just to give that some context, 22 goals last season, six assists. That was the third best in the championship. Ashley Westwood was their highest um, point scoring midfielder last season. Chris Wood slightly outscored Barnes, um, and they're both six and a half million. I'd be tempted to go for whichever one's got the um, lowest ownership level just for the differential there. Yeah, fantastic. All right, league position, then we're going to finish up. I'm going to go Burnley. I'm going to go, oh, who knows about Burnley? 19th. 19th? Is that relegation? Yeah, that, yeah. there's only 20 teams in Good. the league. Good, oh, I'm more hopeful than anything else. 19th. Okay. I'm going with 13th. I think last season they started with a double handicap of the Europa League and Joe Hart in goal. So Let's I start see with Joe Hart again. Um, I'm I'm sending them down. I think they're going 18. Oh, and on that bombshell, it's time to say goodbye from us today. But we'll be back tomorrow with section two of our season previews, which will feature Merseyside clubs, Liverpool and Everton. Uh, We also have the champions elect Leicester, South London's finest Crystal Palace and not forgetting Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Uh, Big thanks to Lindsay Hooper. Uh, She'll be joining us throughout the whole week. Thanks to Phil and Nathan. Thanks to the fantasy football chaps for providing us with some extra stats. And of course, thank you to you guys. Do get in touch on Twitter at Ultimate F Pod. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other. We'll speak to you tomorrow. To the top, only little fantasy, we say what's wrong. Fantasy tactics, tips have to be hard. Listen to us, you'll be winning a lot, not losing, just cruising. So kick
Dogs and balls in this bitch 